We started last week in a new series called Sun Ripened Fruit. I want to take just a moment to review what we covered last week, uh, but let's start with our scripture that is our primary text for the entire series that will springboard from this. Um, the scripture is found in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. And uh, why don't, maybe we just read this together. Could we do that? Just all read it together. Say it with me, please. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Wow, what a powerful scripture about sun-ripened fruit. And there they are. There are the nine uh, fruit of the Holy Spirit. We noticed a number of things last week. We'll review very quickly. One of the things we noticed is that the word is singular, not plural. It's fruit, not fruits. All right, and so that's an important thing to notice. A couple of things that we by review. We discovered last week, we explored the idea that there are two conflicting, warring natures on the inside of us as Christians. There is the work of the flesh, and there is the work of the Spirit. The Scripture teaches us that there's two kinds of Christians, that there are those that are carnal Christians whose lives are still being controlled for the most part by self and by the old man, and then there are spiritual Christians, which are those that have moved on into more maturity and are for the most part living a spirit-controlled and directed life. That ought to be the goal for all of us, all right? And some of us, we keep flipping back and forth from both of those, don't we? That, that seems to sometimes be the case. We know that the fruit of the Spirit is simply this. The fruit of the Spirit is divinely produced character traits just like Jesus manifested. He expressed perfectly all nine fruit of the Spirit when he was on earth. We shared four insights about the fruit of the Spirit. Number one, that producing fruit is important. Producing fruit is important. God commands us to. It's important to him. It's important to us, important to others. We also learned that fruit is determined by the seed that is planted. And that fruit is grown. It's developed. <clears throat> it's, not, it's not given. It's not imparted. It's not instantaneous, but it is grown. And it's not an overnight process. And if you figure that out, it doesn't happen overnight. It takes a lifetime of developing the fruit of the Spirit. And then finally, we discovered that sun-ripened fruit is the result of a relationship with Christ. John chapter 15 speaks of the relationship between the vine and the branches, that abiding, connecting relationship that results in fruit. Isn't that right? Now, for today, we're going to kick off the next few weeks together. I know you're thinking it's got to be impossible to cover all nine of these in these few weeks, but we're going to do it. I promise you that. But today, I felt that there was no choice other than dedicate the entire teaching today on love. We, we just have to do it. There's just too much to learn about, God, uh, about love in general. And uh, we could do a series on love, couldn't we? Very, very easily. And so I've entitled today's message, The God Kind of Love. The God Kind of Love. Now, the first thing I want to establish is the fact that I think that love is maybe one of the most commonly misunderstood things in our society today. It is easily misunderstood. 
And one of the problems is, with it's, it's a, sometimes it's a language problem that we have. And in the English language, we use the word love, and we use it in so many different ways. And so you have to sometimes really qualify what you mean. In just a moment, we'll see that in the Greek language, the language of the New Testament, that it makes it a little bit easier for us. So, for example, you might see a couple over there, and you say, oh, look at them. They're, they're, they're walking hand in hand through the park, right down the street. Isn't that cute? They must be in love. And then we might also uh, turn around and say, wow, I love barbecue. You know, I love barbecue. And then someone would be crazy enough to actually say, I love the Redskins. Sorry, I had to get that one in there. Yeah, sorry, sorry. Anyway, the point is, is that you can use the word love in so many different ways, and it means all kinds of different things. Am I right? Now, obviously, we would not equate all of those different things to the same concept of love. Someone once wrote this. I thought this was great. Love is an overworked word for an underemployed attribute. It is an overworked word for an underemployed attribute, and that is so true. What we need to understand about the God kind of love, it is not just an emotion. It is not just emotional. Today we know that many people uh, are, are accustomed to saying, uh, I love you, or saying even sometimes, I, I, I fell in love. Uh, our society, unfortunately, uh, misunderstands love and equates it with emotion. And it's not just, it, it can involve emotion, and there are emotional aspects to even the fruit of love that we're reading about here, but it's not just an emotion. It's not just what you feel. It's much deeper than that, as we'll see this morning. Also, I want to remind you that the God kind of love is not physical attraction for someone else. Sometimes we uh, equate, and, and our society tends to do this, they equate love and sex. And people... but. The proof, of the, the proof is simply this. There are plenty of people who engage in sexual relations and there's no real love involved at all. Do you know what I'm trying to say? So my point is that we, we have to distinguish between these words. Now, C.S. Lewis, by the way, if you want to go deeper and you want to read a wonderful book that C.S. Lewis wrote called The Four Loves, and he digs into this concept and subject of the different words used, particularly that we find in the New Testament for love. But today I'm going to just focus on, on three words because uh, these are words that, that we can uh, learn a little bit about. And two of them are New Testament Greek words, but the other one is there for contrast. One of the words that is translated love in the Greek language is the word eros. And of course you can see that even the word erotic or uh, would be derived from that Greek word. That word eros speaks of love, but it speaks exclusively of the emotion of love. It has to do with the feeling of love. Now it is interesting that this word is not in the New Testament. So it's not to be found in the commandments to love one another. There is a place and a time for this kind of love expressed between married husband and wife, but it is not the kind of love we're speaking of this morning. 
There's another love that is used in the New Testament. It's the word philos, and it is a word that literally means brotherly love. By the way, did you notice maybe the relationship between Philadelphia? We know as the city of brotherly love, isn't it? That's where the, the connection of the language comes from. This word philos is the kind of a love, it, it actually sometimes is translated as fondness. So if I talk about my love for Jezreel or my, that I love Stuart as a brother in Christ, if we're speaking about the friendship kind of love that is a deep, I can be very deep, but that word is used as philos. And there's a number of scriptures that use that word. Uh, John chapter 12, verse 25, Jesus said, he uses this in a negative way. He says, he who loves his own life, that's the word there, philos. He who loves his own life will lose it. And he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. But there is another word that is the key word. Most of you are familiar with the word. It is the word commonly referred to as agape love. Agape love is love that I, the best definition I know to give you it is it is the God kind of love. It is love that comes from Christ. It is a love that is not dependent upon circumstances. It is not dependent upon emotion. It is not dependent even on how other people respond to it. It is all about the giver. It is all about the one from which the love comes. And it is this kind of love that we read about in Galatians chapter 5 and throughout the New Testament. So for the most part, when the New Testament speaks of love, this is the kind of love it is speaking about. And in a society, in a culture in which love is grossly misunderstood and many times unknown to people, we want to focus this morning on this kind of love. The way, by the way, that we understand agape love the most, and we're going to look at five lessons here on the God kind of love, but the real way that you find out the most about love, guess what? Guess how you discover true love? Just look at Jesus. You look at Jesus. You look at his work on the cross. For example, uh, Scripture tells us in 1 John 3.16, this is how we know what love is. You want to know how love? You want to learn about love? This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. In 1 John chapter 4 and verse 10, it says, This is love. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and that he sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. And so today, let's share together five important lessons about the God kind of love. You ready for these? Number one, they're very simple, straightforward but they're very, very important to understand. If we understand the God kind of love, then we'll know how to begin to manifest that and develop that kind of love in our own lives. Number one, love is a fruit of the Spirit. Did you notice the, uh, I'm not sure how much the rest of the nine fruit that are listed in Galatians 5, 22 and 23, I'm not sure how much the sequence and the order matters, but I am convinced that the priority and preeminence of this one on the list does matter. Because it has what place? First place. For the fruit of the Spirit is this. Love, joy, peace, etc. 
Now, this is a fruit of the Holy Spirit, meaning that the more that the Spirit of God is in control of our life, the more love will be seen and experienced. It is a fruit of the Spirit. By the way, some have actually argued, and possibly correctly, that actually uh, a good translation of, of the fruit of the Spirit passage would be this, and the fruit of the Spirit is love. Period. Love. And then all the other nine fruit of the Spirit are outworkings of love. I'm not sure that's an absolutely accurate interpretation, but I think the point could be made. Let me share a scripture from Romans chapter 5, verse 5, that really helps us to remind ourselves that this fruit, this, this characteristic, this attribute called love is a work of God's Spirit in us as a fruit. Romans chapter 5, verse 5, And hope does not put us to shame because, listen, God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Now listen. Make sure we understand this. It says that God's love has been poured out. Literally, the word there doesn't just mean poured upon us. It means infused. It's spread out throughout us. It's been infused. God's love is, infuses us as Christ, as the Holy Spirit comes to live on the inside of us. How many of you ever said, I just wish I had more love? Oh, God, please just pour out love on me today. I wish it were that simple. It doesn't work that way. It is an outworking of the seed of the Holy Spirit that is on the inside of you. Let me put it this way. When Christ, through the Holy Spirit, comes to live in your heart, when you make a decision for Christ, you are born again into the kingdom of God. When Christ comes into your heart by the Holy Spirit, he brings with him, a part of him is the seed that produces complete, full agape love. The seed of love is in you. That's what Romans 5, 5 tells us. It resides on the inside of you. We don't need to pray for some special impartation of love. We just need to deny the flesh, allow the Holy Spirit to live in control, walk and be led by the Holy Spirit, and guess what? Love is going to grow. It's going to grow. Remember we said fruit is grown, developed, and so that is how it works. All the fruit, really, is contained in love. Someone once said that love is the blossom which produces the fruit. In other words, that from love, all the other spirit uh, fruit can also be seen. So the first point is what? Love is a fruit of the spirit. Just like all, this is going to be true about all of them. But love is a fruit of the spirit. Number two, love is a command. I know I'm not telling you anything new here. I'm not telling you anything new, but let's just review. John chapter 13, verse 34 says this, A new command I give you, Jesus said, love one another. This is the word again that we should agapeo each other. As I have shown the God kind of love to you, so you must love one another. God demonstrates we learn about agape love simply by looking at how God gave his son. For God so loved the world that he gave. Do you notice? We learn about love not only for the sending of his son Jesus, but then Christ loving us and going to the cross for us. 
First John chapter 3, verse 1 says, See what great love the Father has lavished upon us. Don't you love that language? Great love that has been lavished upon us so that we should be called the children of God. For this is the message you heard from the beginning, down in verse 11, we should love one another. Listen to me carefully, Christians. Love is not a suggestion. Loving one another is not a recommendation. It is not just some option that you may want to consider in life. Love is a commandment. It's a commandment. And we need to understand that the Lord is clarifying, emphasizing for us the importance of loving. How do we love? Where is love directed? We love God. We love one another. We even love our enemies. Someone say amen. We have to even love our enemies. We're commanded to walk and live lives controlled by love. Have you noticed so often that's not the case? Y'all are being real quiet today. Come on now. Y'all know that that's not the case, right? Jesus tells us, if you want others to know that you're my disciples, what should you do? Simply love one another. Christians are, um, unfortunately, sometimes no more for hating one another and being divided than they are for loving one another. If we somehow could raise the water level of love, don't you think it would impact the world? Don't you think others would know, have more of a desire to know God if we simply show them more of his love? Love is also, Scripture tells us, a debt that we owe. Powerful Scripture. This Scripture, every time I read it, it's just like, ah, oh, just so convicted. Listen, Romans 13, 8. Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. We're supposed to pay debts. We're encouraged not to owe people anything, but there is one thing you should always know that you have a debt to other people. There's one thing you owe the person next to you. Guess what it is? To love them. The Bible describes love as an obligation, like a debt that you owe. By the way, it will always be outstanding. Origen, the great early church father, said it this way. Listen how, he's, how he describes this. The debt of love remains with us permanently, never leaves us. Love is something that we owe everyone in society. Our, loves are to be, our lives are to be marked by love. Love is a command. Commands are to be what? Followed and obeyed. And by the way, can I tell you this? Remember what I said last week? Uh, fruit are not the kind of thing that you go, okay, i gotta, I got to really try. I'm going to have to squeeze. i got to somehow produce this fruit. Mm, I've got to love. Loving the God kind of love, you are not able to do that in your own ability. In fact, I believe, it's my belief, and some would argue with me, that this kind of love is not even able to be resourced by someone that doesn't have the Spirit of God in them. I believe this is a Christian expression. It's a fruit of the Holy Spirit. I believe they can express uh, 
a phileo love, other kinds of love, but the God kind of love is something that has to come from deep within, and only God can put that kind of love in you. But So the idea of producing it is simply to walk by the Spirit, to yield to the Spirit, stop yielding to the old dictates of the flesh, and the result is, guess what? We're going to start loving people. How many of you would like to love people more? Would you like to? Number three, third lesson, in fact, that we need to learn about love. Love is unconditional. Agape, remember we're talking about this God kind of love. The God kind of love, the word itself, agapeo, means this. It means love without conditions. It means love that has no uh, price tag on it. There's no requirements. It, it is love that, that, that is freely given. It is unconditional. doesn't have limitations. It's not based upon performance. This summer, Carrie and I are celebrating, I'm delighted to say, 40 years of marriage. Yeah. And I've learned that To let the God kind of love work in marriage means you have to understand that it's unconditional. In other words, she has to love me when I am being unlovable. Anybody here ever act unlovely or unlovely? I know all y'all. But I do that frequently, all right? Sometimes I don't act the way that I should. I don't talk the way that I should. And in the presence of my wife, I don't honor her sometimes and express the kind of love that I should. Guess what? Her love towards me has to be what? Unconditional. I'm so thankful. If her love for me were conditional, we would have given it up a long time ago. Can I, can I say something? And I, don't, I hope you all understand this. I sure don't mean this as an accusatory slam against anyone who's gone through major marriage battles and, and divorce and divorce recovery and things like that. But, uh, and I don't mean this braggadociously either. And, and I'm, I, I should probably say it on a day that Carrie is sitting right here. But um, we made a deal when we got engaged. Being Christians and radical followers of Jesus when we came to Christ, we made a decision that this was God's will for us. That we were going to were gonna be married. We knew that it was going to take this kind of love, unconditional love. And did you know that we made a decision to never in our lives allow the option of divorce to even be mentioned? Now, I'm not trying to say... You know, shame on you. I'm, I'm not saying it. I'm just saying in our, life, in our marriage, it's far from perfect. And we have had many times that she's put me on the couch. All right, so, that, okay, just say that, all right? I'm blessed to be able to tell you today, though, never once has it been brought up in a conversation. And I know the only way for that to have worked is one thing. It has to be unconditional. We had to understand it wasn't my conditional. My human love is very conditional. You do this, then I love you. You do this, you get this. And isn't the way many of us have been treated and we've been raised and we've been in that kind of an environment? But that's not the God way. It's, basic, it's the same kind of love. Doesn't the scripture say when you love one another, how are you to love others? You're to walk in love in the same way that God has loved you. How has God loved you? 
unconditionally. Yes, he loves you. He loves others, regardless of their activity, regardless of their sin, regardless of their rebellion, regardless of all the wrong stuff. God still loves them. Why? His love is unconditional. Doesn't mean he approves of it all. But he loves unconditionally. And we have to manifest that same kind of love. Boy, that takes a development of the Spirit in our life. Number four, love is a commitment. Today, we've somehow bought into this myth that love is uncontrollable. It's just something that happens to us. In fact, even sometimes our language implies the uncontrollability of love. We say this, oh, I fell in love. What do you mean you fell in love? Like you just went and fell into a ditch on the side of the road or something like that? You don't just fall into love like you couldn't help yourself. It doesn't work that way. I'm walking along one day, bam, fell in love. Love is a commitment. Love is a decision. If you fell in love, you'll probably at some point wake up and decide you're no longer in love. But if you understand that love is by definition, it's covenantal. It's based on a choice. It's based on a decision. It represents a commitment. Love doesn't just happen to you. That's not love. You choose to love others. You choose to love your husband. Husbands, you choose to love your wife. Sometimes you just have to choose a whole lot. You have to re-choose it. You got to re-up. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Love is a choice. It's not an emotion. It's not a feeling. It's not something that today you say, well, today, honey, I really love you. It's because of how you behave today. I really love you. But tomorrow, hmm, things didn't go so well, so now I don't love you. We need to see love as what? A commitment. Agape, the God kind of love. God committed to loving you eternally. It's a part of his covenant. It's a choice. When you're struggling in love, we all do. Someone say amen. We all do, whether it's our spouses or whether it's our children or whether it's our, 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 our neighbor or whether it's the guy that, who never cuts his lawn. I mean, whoever it is, you have to choose to love them. Remember, it's a command. But it's a choice. It's a decision. And number five, finally, love demands action. I think we need to own up to the fact that the God kind of love is not some kind of a passing, fluid feeling but it requires action. The very nature of the God kind of love demands action. Doing something. Love is something we do. Love is not just something we talk about. Love is something that we require to put action along with our confession. We have to live it, walk it, and do it. Love demands action. Love is modeled where? By the sac- we already read it, the sacrificial gift of God's Son. John 3.16 and 1 John 3.16, we see that how do we know love? Because of the giving of Jesus for us. 
That sacrificing of God's own son is the model of love. Aren't you glad that God didn't decide to just feel love towards a lost world? He decided to do something about it, and he acted on that love, and he sent his son Jesus to die for us on the cross. Love is action. It's not just talk. Can't be just talk. Can't just be emotion. C.S. Lewis said, in the same book that I referenced earlier, he said, don't waste your time wondering if you love your neighbor. Just act like you do. In other words, just do it. Love is a do word. We have to do it. All of us understand This isn't easy. This has to be a work of the Spirit in us, and we have to yield to it. But love is something we do. Doesn't 1 Corinthians 13 that we all know is the love chapter, and there's a particular couple of verses there that are very descriptive about what love is and what love does. And I just included a few for you here. Love forgives. See the action? Love forgives. I like the NIV version that says, Love keeps no record. Of wrongdoing. Someone say, that's hard. Can you just say that with me? Say, that's hard. I mean, that's just not, and you know what? It's not human-like. That, that's, that's where I'm comforted. I know this isn't human-like. It's sure not like Bobby Hill. It's not like the old Bobby Hill, at least. It's like the new man. See? But that's not easy to forgive, to let stuff go. To release people from offenses. You say, yeah, but they're wrong. It doesn't matter. You're not sitting on the judgment bench. Love says what? Forgives. Love forgives. What else? Love is patient. Love is kind. We're going to get those are also fruit. We'll get to them later in this series. It also says in verse 6, and love rejoices with the truth. Love, love loves integrity. It's attached to integrity and truthfulness. Verse 7, it always protects. Love always trusts. Love always hopes. Love always perseveres. Love is practical. Love has to be practiced. Love has to be acted on. I know that you realize the practicality of love when we're talking about action. Ephesians 5 says, Husbands, love your wives. What an example. What a command. We're to love our children. Ephesians 6 says, Don't, don't, don't give reasons to make your kids angry. They'll be angry enough on their own. <laughs> don't provoke them. Don't get them all stirred up like that. Love doesn't do that. And we're told all that. We're, said to, we're told to love our neighbor. Neighbors. So I don't like some of my neighbors. But I have to love them. And I'm and, and I hope I'm working on the like part. Okay? To love them. We have to love those who have who, who we consider enemies. What about the employer that fired you, terminated you with no good cause? What about the person that has hurt you the most in life? What about those 
hurtful times. And we're told to love them. Would someone please answer, how can we do this? How can we do all this? The, the standard is, seems so unachievable, so high. Here's what I want to say in closing. There's only one way. And then it's not through you trying hard to manufacture love. Because the God kind of love cannot be manufactured through human effort. Yes, it takes some partnership. It takes cooperation. It takes you submitting. It takes you surrendering. But the only way the God kind of love we've described here today is achievable, is doable, is as a fruit of the Holy Spirit. It's just that self gets in the way. And what I'll leave you with is this. If you know Jesus, it's in you. It's here. It's deep on the inside of you. All of us, maybe, we're different levels of our fruit development on love. Some of us are really down on the seed level. Others, maybe it's sprout development level. Others, maybe it's growing and it's actually to the point of fruit bearing and other people are enjoying it and picking off your life. Let me ask you this. If someone picked the fruit of your life, would it taste like love? Would it taste like the God kind of love? So I'm not asking today for some kind of a legalistic demand. These, I'm, this week I'm going to go and make sure I love someone. I mean, good, that's fine. Love more, but it won't last but about five or six days. I promise you. But if you say, I am making a renewed decision to yield to the Spirit, Holy Spirit's control in my life, and I'm going to let Him produce love and let it grow in me, and I choose to not let self and the flesh and the old nature get in the way of the development of this fruit. Doesn't that sound like a, that is a biblical and a reasonable approach to the development of love. We've all heard admonitions on love. We've all read devotions on love. We've all tried to mm, eke out love, and it just doesn't work. So my appeal to you is, yes, it takes your, it's some diligent surrender on your part. But can we just let the Holy Spirit that has been infused the inside of us, he has been as one translation says, the Holy Spirit is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Would you stand with me? Our ministry teams are going to come and be positioned for prayer. Is anybody understanding what we're talking about today? Are you getting it? Okay. May I challenge you today to pray with me? As we close, first of all, there may be someone here today that Jesus is not your Lord and Savior. And frankly, if that is, in, if that is the case in your life, um, these fruit that we're talking about are just kind of moral, ethical goals. Your best choice? Give your heart to Christ. Ask Jesus to take over your life. Make Him the Lord and the Savior of your life. 
He'll forever change you. And then you'll have the resources from within to love like Jesus loves. For the rest of you who know Jesus personally, I would challenge you today, pray with me. Let's, can we just get real with God for a moment? Do you mind that? I'm just going to take another 60 seconds to pray with you. I want you to get real with God. I want you to be honest with Him. It's between you and Him, but I want you to get real. You know, the Bible teaches us that we are to repent. Repent simply means a change of mind resulting in a change of direction. Some of us today might need to repent of not loving some people, being very unlovable towards some. Some of us have not exercised love like we should. I strongly recommend that you repent. Change your mind. Say, I'm going to choose to let the Holy Spirit start developing this kind of fruit in me. Lord, forgive me for my past behavior. I'm going to start doing it beginning today. I'm going to yield in a fresh way. Would you join me in that prayer right now? I'm just going to give you a moment on your own to make confession. And then I'll pray. Heavenly Father, we do confess failing to allow your love to have full expression. Lord, we're thankful for grace. We're so thankful that your love towards us gives us the example to follow. Lord, I'm thankful today that you forgive me and you have forgiven me. Today, Lord, we repent. We have a change of attitude and a change of mind about walking in love. It's not just some emotion or it's not something we fall into and it's not just an option. Lord, we take it seriously today because it's a fruit of your Spirit. We declare today not to yield to the old nature of hatred and resentment and anger and the old nature of impatience and unlovely attributes. And we make a decision today, Holy Spirit that lives within us, we decree today, we will yield to your growth of love within us. Let that seed that was placed in us according to Romans 5 5. Let that seed of love begin to grow and grow and be cultivated in our lives. We yield to you, love. We yield our thoughts and our emotions and our volition. We yield to the spiritual fruit of love. And Lord, we thank you that when we when we fall short, which we know happens, Lord, you'll be quick to forgive us as we'll be quick to repent. And then, Lord, we just pray that we'd renew ourselves once again 
And Lord, we'd reaffirm the course of living a spirit-controlled life. Let love rule. And Lord, we're thankful that you also add that love never fails. We sang about it today. We sang about your love never failing. But today we also acknowledge that as we operate in the God kind of love, it'll always work. It'll never fail. So we choose it today in Jesus' name.